0: ...succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: Moreno, New Zealand. Good morning to you on this uh, frosty Tuesday morning where I am in uh, Hawke's Bay. I hope uh, the weather's good and we get uh, a dry spell so we can all dry out, uh, I guess, around the country. Uh, We're going to uh, have a really busy show this morning. It's uh, brought to you by Brandt, of course, um, your John Deere equipment uh, suppliers expert in agriculture looking forward to catching up with uh all the brand people at the field days uh mystery creek coming up uh, in the middle of june uh, that's uh date on the calendar uh, also uh, we're this morning going to talk uh, with bernard jackman now bernard is a uh, former former irish international uh played for leinster 91 time played for Connacht uh, as well and he also uh, has uh, played um <coughs> extensively around the world and uh, he was uh, witnessing uh, this amazing game of rugby uh, the weekend uh, the european rugby final the heineken trophy final rematch actually of last year and the same result eventuated actually uh, with la rochelle coached by ronan ogara getting up uh, over the top of leinster right so we'll talk to bernard about that we'll have uh, text coming up hopefully on the temper bedpost text line that is double eight double three uh dean wilson will join us just after nine thirty this morning a dean of course a former silver fern and sky Sport presenter, um, big game of netball last night, and now we're at the playoff stage, so uh, with uh, Adeen just after 9.30. Jeff Eisenband uh, will be with us, uh, he's uh, a pundit, a golf pundit, uh, will review the PGA Championship, just where does that live, live, or live golf having a winner, where does that leave everybody? Ryan Fox, we understand too, getting a an exemption now uh, for the rest of the PGA season, uh, he can pick and choose his schedule now on both sides of the world, he's welcome everywhere. Uh, Brad Lewis uh, will be with us uh, on the panel and I'm just uh, checking to just to confirm who uh, is with us as well and uh, we'll uh, Alex Chapman that's right and uh, Chappie we'll get Chappie on his way to Blues training which will be great uh, Louis will join us um, as he will throughout the morning anyway but we'll uh, talk a bit of uh, racing uh, prior to uh, 11 o'clock Jeremy Coney um, big announcement and we'll go through that too just after 9:20 this morning Uh, of the commentary team for SEN and SENZ. It's been finalised and announced. Jeremy Coney's part of that. We'll have Jerry just after 11 o'clock to talk about the prospects of commentating on the Ashes. Uh, We'll have uh, the Sports Desk uh, with Polaris and Louis Herman Watt just after 11.25. A stump smithy around 11.30. Plenty to go through to Staffy at midday. Prior right, to summer nears in the north, it was a sizzling hot crescendo to the European club, club rugby season with a spicy encounter in Dublin, the centrepiece of the weekend's action. French side La Rochelle went to Ireland with a mighty task on their hands if uh, they wanted to defend their Champions Cup crown. The famous Leinster stood in their way on their home ground, Aviva. The home team went out to a major lead as well before uh, Ronan O'Gara's French side clicked into gear And ultimately prevailed at the end 27 26 it was a thriller and there are storylines galore out of this one of Ireland's favorite sons Downing the favorite Irish Club Uh, and uh, the halftime confrontation outside the referees room and how many of the key players featured again will be protagonists at this year's World Cup in that famous green jersey Well, Bernard Jackman joins us now Uh, Bernard is former Irish and Leinster forward uh also uh, had time with uh, the uh, also played uh, and coached in wales as well so he's been around the traps he applies his trade in the media now doing great punditry for rte and the 42 and uh he joins us now good morning bernard and thanks uh for staying up a little bit later tonight
2: no worries guys i'm just good that i can't stay on it sounds like you've got a good show for the next couple of hours so uh happy to join you and talk a bit about rugby
1: Ah, uh, Bernard. Uh, well, uh, you're an interesting gent because I'm uh, doing a little uh, background work on you. Uh, you were basically uh, discovered and 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 encouraged into pro rugby what, by Warren Gatland.
2: Yeah, unbelievable. So um, I was rugby was amateur when I left school. I was in university studying international marketing and Japanese, playing club rugby under a guy, Brent Pope. He used to play for Otago, um, and he was my club <laughs> coach. And, Warren Gatlin took a gap year from teaching uh, in Waikato to coach uh, a club site called Galwegians. He was player coach and he, he came off the bench against me and he, went, he was going back to New Zealand and four or five months later, Ruby went professional. He got the Connacht job. Uh, to be the first professional coach at Conant and he remembered me and offered me a contract. So, uh, yeah, I owe I owe Warren um, uh, a lot because I wasn't an Irish schoolboy or anything like that. So he picked me out of the club game and i lucky enough, was 14, it was a professional player for 14 years after. Great
1: story. Absolutely great story. Um, right, let's get, get into uh, what you witnessed over the weekend and um, pretty tough uh, from your point of view with your history at Leinster, of course. Uh, what an amazing game of rugby to back up the one that was so, uh, very much similar last year.
2: Oh, incredible. I mean, La Rochelle won uh, with a la- la- last-minute try uh, in-, in Marseille last year. And Leinster had, had only lost well, two two games this season. One with, when they sent a very young team to South Africa, so they could rest up for the Champions Cup final. And then last week, they lost by a point to Munster. But again, it was the second-string Leinster. So this... First choice team hadn't been beaten this year, and the bookies had them favorites. Obviously, the final was in the Aviva, and uh, that was predestined, so that was organized from a year ago. So, you know, it wasn't meant to be home advantage, but that's how it worked out. And, um, Leinster were hot favorites, they were 17 nil up after 12 minutes, 13 minutes. And, uh, you would have said there's no way Larry Shaw can come back, but wow, w- what mental strength, what resilience, and, and what quality. And, you know, they got to try. At a converted try to, to give them a bone-point lead with four minutes to go. And Leinster went up the field and actually uh, La Rochelle had a man sent in the bin and Leinster were on their line and, and, and there was a red card against Michael Alatoa, the former Crusaders prop but uh, Simone International. Uh, and that allowed, I suppose, La Rochelle clear their lines and hold on for a, an incredible win. And look, uh, you couldn't begrudge them what, what La Rochelle have built. In the last couple of years, that's their third Champions Cup final in a row. That's their second win in a row. Um, you know, in 2014, they were they were in Pro D two and um, they got promoted to top 14. And and you know, Nagar is now the coach, but and he's done a great job. But the, you know, John O'Gibbs, the the former Waikato chief, um, he was the previous head coach there, and he did a huge amount of work as well. So um, and Carbarlo um, was outstanding at nine. Um, he had a a huge game and and look at it it's it's cutting from a extra point of view but I think La having come back from 17-0 down away from home um, the quality they showed I I don't think you could begrudge them the trophy
1: Bernard, uh, there is, as we said, a lot of storylines around here. Of course, Ronan O'Gara, um, one of Munster's favourite sons, coming to Leinster and um, and de- denying Leinster the, the trophy. There were uh, two Kiwi halfbacks, um, as you say, you know, yeah. Barlow and Jamison Gibson Park. So there's a lot for us to talk about down here.
2: No, it's, it's unbelievable. And they were both like the form well Carvalho Caballo didn't play last year but uh in the final he was injured but um he is playing some outstanding rugby and there's lots of talk he's now eligible for Australia and uh, France would you believe because of the fact he hasn't played for New Zealand for so long I think he might have been born in Australia he qualifies for France due to residency and um there's a slight chance he may go to a World Cup with, with one of those but his form has been outstanding and Gibson Park for Ireland and leinster this year has been been phenomenal um you know charlie nato came off the bench um you know the, antonio the union Antonio who now plays in france obviously came through new zealand will skelton uh there's just so many there's a mixture of irish internationals french internationals but also some top uh, southern hemisphere talents and uh, it was a it was an amazing game i mean i think these two teams to lose our star stood side and may yet win the top 14, but Leinster put them away quite easily in the in the semi-final and I think the, you know these two teams are significantly better than anybody else in this European competition.
1: How highly regarded now is uh, Ronan Ogara of course Ronan came down here, spent a season with the Crusaders mm. with under Scott Robertson, uh, found that to be invaluable, went north and has been ultra successful very quickly. How highly regarded is he amongst Irish people?
2: Look at it. It's incredible what he's done there. And and like, you know, he he was the most successful player uh, in European history from what he did with Munster. And a lot of French clubs, you know, they don't see the top of the European Cup as being attainable, but he is... He's gone in there and convinced La Rochelle that they can do something special. Um, he speaks so much about his experience with Scott Robertson in the Crusaders. He said it blew his mind; it, it changed his mind. It changed his whole attitude to coaching. And he said that you know the first six months he was like going, "Oh, this isn't going to work. This is this is this is this is banana stuff." And then and then obviously he saw it all fall into place. And it was such a different experience for what he obviously had in Irish rugby and what he had in Racing '92, where he was coaching. Before he went to Crusader, so he's come back. Um, I think Scott Robertson is still a mentor of his, and um, he's created this environment where there's a real strong sense of connection. Um, it's very difficult to do in France because I coached there for six years, and uh, you have so many different nationalities, you have the language barrier, um, there's so much money in French rugby, French rugby players in general. You know they don't really put down roots you know they, some of them could have five or six different clubs over their course of their career so but he has he's he's got this group together like a band of brothers and um they play for their, their, their city and and um they represent us with incredible pride um and also they've got a lot of talent as well and they're well coached so um it's so impressive and i think you know him winning a second european cup final um against a team who most of us is, is full of Irish internationals, to be honest. The Leinster team mm. provide the backbone to the Irish team. So his, his star is rising. Andy Farl has done an incredible job with Ireland. His contract runs for another two years. But um, he'd be a brave man to bet against ron O'Gara, getting a chance to coach Ireland in the next uh, next five or six years. Because what he's done, the experience he's got, You know, he won a top-four team in Racing. Uh, as an assistant coach but now he, he won a super rugby title with the crusaders and now he's won two back-to-back european cups and um he's he's probably going to be in the final of the top 14 in a few weeks as well so it's very impressive
1: how's james lowe's form uh, from your point of view uh,
2: mate, he was brilliant for brilliant for ireland in the six nations um picked up an injury uh, and just made it back uh made it back for the final um had some really good moments um the, had a couple of kicks that went astray He's a big. his kicking game is a big part of how Leinster um, exits uh, and La Rochelle got a little bit of pressure to him but to be fair uh, Leinster had bar that first 13 minutes where Leinster were on fire La Rochelle starved him with a ball so we didn't see James Lowe with a ball in his hand and that's when he is absolutely electric and, um, and an incredibly dangerous weapon for Leinster so his form is good um, and I think he's going to be a key man for Ireland um, in France in, in uh, this autumn.
1: Well, from our point of view, of course, down here, you know, Ireland came down here and uh, knocked us over, uh, embarrassed us, actually. They were so dominant in certain fetches of the game, uh, winning the Series 2-1. OK, that was historic there. Um, and at that point, I think all New Zealanders realised, Bernard, that um, Ireland are a genuine chance to win this Rugby World Cup where do you think they're at now on the back of um, that uh, six nations campaign and where do you think the belief level is because there is a perception down here that's the only thing that might stop them
2: no look at they they have massive belief um and i think you know what they did in new zealand it was a really tough tour for ireland because obviously um the logistics of playing the all-backs three times but then there was two midweek games against the maoris um, it was the end of the longest season in, in history in, in Northern Hemisphere because of COVID. Um, they had to dram in some games and they had some injuries as well and, and they got the job done. And then they came back and, I suppose, confirmed that form by beating South Africa and Australia in November and then winning the Grand Slam, which is, I think, only our fourth in, in history. So, um, they're number one in the world. Uh, it, the problem is... There's so little between the top teams. I mean, uh, we beat Australia with a last minute, or a kick with five or six minutes to go. South Africa was incredibly tight. The Ireland France game was very tight. You know, if we play the All Blacks tomorrow, they would be tossing a coin. So it's great we're in a really good position. Confidence is high, but I, I've never seen it as 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 uh, competitive. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm looking at England, you know, with a new coach. I'm looking at Australia with Eddie Jones. Decided to the draw there on. I think there's six or seven teams now who there's only a score between them. And um, but the only thing I would say in our favour is um, it's you know it's a northern hemisphere based um, final this year, so France isn't going to be a big deal in terms of travel. We we'll have a lot of fans there, and the team age profile um, is pretty good. Obviously, you've got Johnny Sexton, who's you know we're we're going to wrap him in cotton wool and, and cross our fingers that he'll stay fit. But the rest of the team are probably just at their peak, so um we're certainly going there with a bit of confidence even though we obviously have a very bad record of world cups and we're very conscious of that
1: Bernard, uh, you mentioned johnny sexton uh, 37 years of age and you're going to put him in cotton wool just say you don't have johnny sexton at the crucial stages do you are you confident in what you've got backing up there
2: well look at his his backup played against um against la rochelle on uh on saturday and probably you know, it, it wouldn't inspire you with confidence. Uh, Ross Byrne, now the, the third choice, 10 had a very good game for Munster against Leinster last week and got a match winning drop goal with it a minute ago. So he showed he had the bottle. And, and there's a lot of criticism or, or spec or, or concern that Ross Byrne didn't go for a last minute penalty or sorry, a penalty with four minutes to go that, that might have been kickable or a drop goal at the end when they were on the line. So, um, now, having said that, the, the Leinster pack were, were pretty much beaten up. So, look, I, I don't I don't think we can win a World Cup without Johnny Sexton. Um, he is still absolutely key to us. And not just in terms of what he does on the pitch, but in terms of the belief he gives everybody else. Um, so, yeah, he is, he is the key man for us. I think we've got good depth in other positions. But if he was to go down, um, I think it would be very, very hard. I know you guys had a big injury crisis at 10.00. Uh, You know, back when you won the World Cup at home and you you had people who were able to come in and get the job done. um, Stephen Donald, uh, etc. But uh, I don't know if we have that luxury at the moment.
1: Uh, Just uh, putting another hat on that you've worn, and that's your association too, Bernard, with uh, Welsh Rugby. Of course, Warren Gatlin, we've talked about him, has uh, received the SOS call. Um, how do you perceive where Welsh rugby is at the moment, and uh, would there any chance of being a spoiler in the Rugby World Cup?
2: No, Welsh rugby is on on its knees, and uh, it must be very difficult for Warren, um, having obviously brought him to a, a World Cup semi final, which they actually you know ran South Africa really close, and South Africa obviously went and, and won it, um, and the success he had with Wales to go back and answer that SOS, but to to see that the the player pool has just um, decimated, and and I don't know if you saw last week, Alan Wayne Jones and Justin Tibbrick have have resigned. I retired from international rugby as well. They were two, you know, absolute legends of the game. And there's been huge financial problems. There's been huge problems actually in governance and uh, and uh, sexism row in the WRU. But mainly there's been massive issues in terms of funding. So the regions, the four Welsh regions, are are all effectively. Uh, living hand to mouth, and they've reduced their salary caps next year um, significantly, and the year after it's going to be even less. So there's there's, there's a player drain out of Wales. Um, the under twenties have been really poor for the last four or five years. The under 18s are poor, and soccer has become a massive game in the Welsh valleys. Um, so it's a very very difficult task for Warren Gatlin. If anyone can do it, um, he can. any he, he'll do. He can do it, but also. He'll thrive in this long preparation time, so he'll have those Welsh players for the whole summer, our summer, um, and that will give him a chance to really drill them well. But I, I fear for I fear for Wales in terms of the the depth um, to their squad. They just don't seem to have the uh, the numbers of quality internationals that they had in the past.
1: Bernard, um, also we can't let you go without talking a little bit about the hosts, France, of course, and Dupont at half back probably one of the most influential men in uh, European rugby at the moment. Uh, what about the pressure on France uh, to deliver at home this time around?
2: Yeah, look, there's a lot of pressure, but if you understand French rugby, they're used to that since they're four or five. When I was in Grenoble, um, we brought my, my, my son, who was five at a time, across to the local club and he was training and, and you know, I asked the coaches who they were playing that weekend and he, he said they were playing a club which is about three miles away. And I said, oh, will you win? And he goes, oh, no, you can't win because it's away whatever. So um, the reverse of that is obviously when you're at home, you're expected to win and they generally do, whether it's for club or country. And um, they've been looking forward to this for, for four years. They've put a massive amount of focus on developing young French qualified talent. They're under 20s. Have won two junior world cups and, and a lot of those players are now in that national team. Um, they won a six a grand slam the year before last. They were second this year. Um, I don't think they. I don't think they will crack under the pressure. And if anything, they will thrive. So uh, I think that's an added advantage to them. And it's going to be an incredible world cup. I mean, France know how to host major sporting events. Uh, the country is will mad. Um, they've got a team that they can believe in and, and with an incredible amount of talent and, and DuPont is obviously leading the way in that, but um it's the depth they have is, is phenomenal. Obviously fourteen teams in the top division, another twelve in Pro D two, and then the third division is professional as well, Federal One. So um, you're just even though there's 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 a good few foreign players playing in France, I mean, they have 20 players deep in, in each position um, that are fully professional. Obviously, they're all an international class, but it's, it's they've got more depth than any other country. So um, I think they're the ones to beat, to be honest. Even though we obviously won year Six Nations, I think home advantage um, will, will bring them to a new level.
1: Bernard, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you um, and getting your insight on uh, how you think uh, things are going up that way. Uh, we can't wait for um, the World Cup, obviously, and uh, we're under a of pressure with the coach under a lot of pressure as well. So it's going to be fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for staying up just a little bit later on, on our behalf, and uh, we've enjoyed t- talking to you. Thank you.
2: Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
1: Yeah, cheers. Uh, Bernard Jackman there, uh, of course, vastly experienced man in rugby. Uh, he's coached in France, coached in Wales has uh, played <coughs> around the globe But uh, especially in association with uh, Warren Gatlin Which was uh, nice to find out about uh, And these days of course um, uh, You can hear him uh, with his uh, thoughts on rugby uh, For RTE and the 42 So uh, fascinating to get that Irish perspective It is now 9.23 It's
3: delivered with Mick
0: Delivery Kirsten Beave back today from 4pm on SENZ
3: SCNZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Call any time 0800 150 811. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa.
0: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: 929, a lot of interest in European rugby for a number of reasons. The strength of it, obviously, the style of play and the fact that so many... New Zealanders are involved and a couple of texts that have come in straight away. Uh, Nick has said, well, I hope Fozzie and co-recorded that European club final. A lot to analyse about both Irish and French players. Uh, I'm sure that he did. I'm sure he's taking every opportunity to uh, research those key players. Uh, And Mikey has uh, come in, of course, and said, I watched the European uh, rugby final and by God, that was tough, uncompromising game of rugby. On the viewing of that for the All Blacks to be successful... Fozzie's going to need all his ducks in a row and pick informed, fit players and players in their rightful positions. Yeah, I don't think you can experiment. You don't want utilities. You have to have 15 or 23 absolute specialists to take on the likes of Ireland and France. So the Irish sides, uh, the strength of the loose forwards in particular, and we know that. We saw that last year. Uh, the strength of the loose forwards is uh, unbelievable. It is uh, 9.30 here and we want to get to netball very shortly, so we'll take a break with Aroha and when we return we'll be with uh, Adean Wilson.
0: The World Cup will have live commentary starting September 9 on SENZ. <laughs>
1: 9.32 here on SENZ in the mornings and the ANZ Premiership for 2023 in terms of its round robin phases wrapped up last night with the Mystics holding off the tactics uh, in extra time confirming the top three seeds and places the elimination final this Sunday where the Pulse will play host to the Northern Stars for a spot in the final against those Mystics. With so The World Cup uh, in July, all eyes, will be on these final two games in terms of form, Coach Knowles looks to lock in her squad for the tournament in Cape Town, which is fascinating, and that tournament starts on July 28th. Uh, joining us now to talk uh, the Premiership and uh, looking forward to that World Cup as well is uh, one of our favourite netty analysts and Silver Fern's great, Adeen Wilson. Adeen, good morning to you. Good morning. you got your three boys off to school and work, have you?
4: ha <laughs> I think one's in Christchurch two it's meant to be at school so hopefully
5: they're all where
1: they're meant to be and behaving <laughs> Fair enough too Right, okay, let's look at that game last night That was a nice way to end it It was a thrilling match, wasn't it? But I guess it was just too tough for the tactics to overcome the deficit they had to
4: Look, it was such a big ask, right? I think if they simply had to win that game, um, they had a better chance. But to beat the Mystics by a minimum of 12, that was a huge hurdle. Especially, you know, the Mystics can score so quickly. You know, they've had, they score, you know, a high number of goals. I think they had the best centre-pass conversion rate for the whole season. So it was a big ask. But I was really rapt that, you know, this whole competition came down to the last game in the last round, and that in itself is, is awesome.
1: But the interesting thing for me too, it would have been easy for the Mystics to just say, hey, you know, this one doesn't matter to us as much as it matters to you, but their standards were maintained.
4: Yeah, I was actually surprised. I thought they may have used their bench a little more, knowing that really that result, in, in the big scheme of things, didn't really mean a lot for them. But I think you're going on. I think that shows the class and the calibre of some of the players in that team. And I'm thinking of Sully Fitzpatrick, Phoenix Karaka. They don't want to lose. Even when it doesn't matter what the result means for the ladder board, they have really high standards. They've so created a winning culture within that team. And, and they wanted to make sure they finish their season, you know, the regular round before they have um, next week as a bit of a break, which won't be a break, but not an official game. So, you know, I think think that is the class of the Mystics.
1: Right, let's look at uh, the uh, elimination final. That is now confirmed as being the Pulse against the Stars in Wellington on Sunday uh, the Pulse have found uh, some really good touches, some good form, good continuity towards the uh, final end of the round robin phase, haven't they?
4: They have, and that's obviously it's a repeat of the grand final of last year. But look, I just, I it's a hard one to pick, but if I had to, I'm, I feel like the Pulse have just really found their groove, and and they play a really physical and I say that in a positive way that they play a lot more man-on-man than a lot of the other teams in the ANZ play and that wears down a team and I think that's been really successful for them. They've got Amelia Wormsley who's just had an absolute blinder of a season and we saw a couple of weeks ago yes yeah, she got a bit rattled there were a few tears but she sort of picked herself up and then shot some really crucial goals so I kind of feel like they just peaking at the right time but in saying that the stars they've got you know some really classy players as well so oh look it's it's great it's so good that it's really hard to pick and there's there's going to be no obvious uh person that you'd be putting your money on
1: okay so in terms of is there a is there a match-up for instance uh, is it the, the the pulses defense against the stars attack where, where are the key areas for you looking on to this <sighs>
4: Well, actually, one of them I think is, um, you know, Gina Crampton has been sensational for the stars and and she will be on that plane to to South Africa, there's no doubt in my mind, um, for the soil Ferns. But I think that uh, Fama Yuani has actually made the shift down to the Pulse and she's actually been playing very, very well at wing defence. So I think if she can get on top of Gina and take Gina out of the game, Gina just doesn't make mistakes. You know, she's so accurate. You know, we talk about the connection between Toiava and Grace Wiecki. Well, you know, the connection between um, Gina Crampton and Maya Wilson is also key. So I think that's going to be pretty crucial, is shutting that down. We've also seen, though, if you shut down Tiana Matura, I think she only had something like seven shots in the entire game when they lost um, the other day to the tactics. So if you can shut her down, and you know whether that's Ali Temu or Holly Fowler that gets that role, I think that's also another key uh, matchup. So I mean, you could just about pick out any matchup on that court and make an argument for it. But those are probably two that people wouldn't immediately pick out, but they're certainly one for me.
1: Adina, if you're in the Mystics camp, would you have a preference uh, as to who you would like to host in the final?
6: Oh
4: oh look I think they would say no because they just want to win and, and and win against anyone feels good right but oh I kind of feel like they probably you know the harder team when you match up with them is the pulse so from a spectators point of view I'd love to see that pulse. Mystics final but uh you know that cross town rivalry between the mystics and the stars you know that would be pretty cool for the auckland based fans as well that can come down to hamilton from um to the Glowbox box arena so yeah but uh yeah, i think i think they would say anyone they'll just want to win it and win it at, at, at hamilton
1: right we look at uh, the comp in general um are you happy with its structure? Are you happy with the spread of talent? You look at the table and you think, uh-oh, look down the bottom the steel. Uh, a lot of people saying this is just a one-off year. Forget about this year uh, because the, the, they have strength and they, of course, have passion down there in the Deep South. Are you happy with the spread of talent? Are you happy with the comp?
4: Uh, well, I think it's going to get harder next year because we've already seen Bailey Mears retire. We've seen Claire Kirsten retire. So that, that, that's not easy for the magic who came fifth on the table. and. As you know, you often see other retirements after a World Cup. We've also heard Sula sort Fitzpatrick, of she's not going to be back next year. Um, so already, you know, you're reducing and diluting that pool of talent. And we do have some young guns coming up, but, you know, there's nothing like having that experience thrown in the mix. I do really feel for the steal, and I think that argument could, you know, I think what that throws up is whether you have something, and I think, it, and you'll be able, you'll know the answer to this, um, is, you know, whether you have lone players, and I know rugby has done that in the past, and, you know, there was a bit of an argument, you know, we had Joyce Mavula, who came over in international playing for the Pulse, she sat on the bench this whole season. You know, if they'd been able to loan her, for example, down to the steel, how much would that better helped A, the steel, and B, the competition to make it more interesting? So you wonder if you can, you know, is there some rules that you can tweak? So if you do get into a season and there are injuries or things are a little bit, you know, unbalanced between the competition, can we mid-season or somewhere within the season even it out? You know, NBA, I just heard, oh, Camelo Anthony, oh my gosh, he's retired. You know, you look at the NBA and all these crazy, clever things they do to try to ensure that teams are even and you're seeing a good competition.
1: Right, uh, let's uh, put another hat on and that's the international side of things. Uh, Bailey Misses, uh, obviously... Uh, curtailed her career uh, but interesting uh, that uh, Dame Knowles has brought uh, Laura Langman into the group. Uh, what are you seeing in that?
4: Oh look, um, Laws and um, Knowles have got such great relationship and Laws is still based um, in Australia and that's where they are doing one of their warm-up camps. I think they're playing against the Lightning in a number of games and you know, Knowles is very, very clever at surrounding herself with really good people. You know, she's got Yvonne Willering, she's got um, Donna Wilkins, you know, Deb Fuller, that she brings in these specialists at key times to work with with the girls, and, and that's worked very successfully for her in the past. You know, when you look at the likes of Lauren Langman, you know, she's played a, a number of World Cups, she's played a number of Commonwealth Games, and she's won A number of those events as well so when you bring in not only what she can add you know court wise and technical and her analysis but it's also that mana and that understanding of what it's like to play in a big tournament and what it takes to play in a big tournament
1: right okay then um what are our chances this far out are are you confident i mean we're looking at (laughs) australia We're, we're looking at australia we're looking at england obviously there might be a spanner in the works over there. Uh, we such a long way from home as well. Uh, maybe uh, Jamaica or someone of that regard South Eric, themselves. What are you seeing in terms of um, how this is going to play out this far out?
4: Uh, I think the big dangers is, uh, obviously Australia, but, but Jamaica, they are the ones that almost scare me the most. You know, they are just, in, in years go by, you know, they always had the talent. They always had the athletes but they would get rattled. They didn't have that mental toughness to close out a game. You could get them quite emotive. But because so many of them now have been playing in both Australia and England, that's flipped on its head. They've got that now. You know, the Shamira Stirlings and the like, you know, Janelle Fowler, they are just so cool and calm. So to me, that's who gets me nervous, Um, those two teams. England, not so much, but... You know, when you, we've talked to Dan Knowles on our podcast a few times now and, and, you know, she's saying all the metrics for the silver ferns are pointing in the right direction. You know, they've got all of those things they measure against, whether it be stats, whether it be fitness, whether it be, you know, goodness knows all the different bits and pieces they throw together in those management conversations. But she's confident, and she, in fact, she thinks they're tracking ahead of where they were in 2019. So that gives you, you know, um, that gives you a lot of hope. Um, and I also think we've got some really good young talent, you know, Grace Wiki, Kate Heffernan, both those players were named um, player of, in their positions at the quad series in January, so I do think we have the talent um, and I do love the fact that um, you know, it's not just the big four, you know, South Africa will be good, Uganda, Malawi you know, I think the whole standard of world netball, from my, compared to when I played, there really was, you know three teams probably in it, I think that that's a cool thing that there will be
1: upsets in this World Cup. I just hope it's not against us. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Well, it uh, starts, pass off there on uh, July 28th, goes through to uh, Sunday the 6th of August. It will be quick fire and uh, over very quickly before we even know it. Uh, Adeen, thank you very much for your time this morning. Uh, Enjoy talking to you as always. And uh, have a great day. Thank you.
4: Great to chat. Take care, all.
1: Cheers, uh, Dean Wilson their uh, former Silver Fern and uh, of course uh, brilliant Sky commentator as well uh, for looking forward to uh, <coughs> looking forward to that Netball World Cup but there's uh, a little business of the ANZ Championship the next two weekends, crucial crucial, down to three, 9.45 in
0: your field, summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in our Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ You got to know when the whole.
6: No when fold up, know when to walk away, and know when to run.
4: Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
1: Well, I put a bit of faith in the Boston Celtics yesterday, shouldn't it? Because they were heartless. Boy, did they cop it from the commentators with a spineless performance against the Miami Heat. So they're uh, 3-0 down. They were, uh, I think they're gone, Miami through to the uh, NBA Grand Final. Uh, Newcastle to beat Leicester didn't happen. It uh, was a nil or draw this morning, which was beneficial to both sides. Uh, so not even close yesterday. Today we'll go with the Lakers to beat the Nuggets. I do not believe that LeBron will let uh, his side get nailed 4-0. Uh, the Nuggets uh, with Jokic, of course, are an unbelievably powerful side based around the, the giant that he is. Um, but uh, I bet the Lakers to, to nip one off them. There you go. And it has to be today at $1.62. Uh, tonight uh, there's a crucial game of uh, of IPL cricket actually, Chennai Devon Conway Stephen Fleming and Co to beat Gujarat at dollar eighty three, uh, and football tomorrow morning uh, Barcelona Barcelona to beat uh, Real Valladolid uh, Valladolid uh, at a dollar ninety one haven't even heard of them so I'm backing Barcelona to beat them there you go uh, that'll uh, multi up at five dollars sixty six. Take a short break. Uh, I haven't even said good morning to Louis Herman. What we'll do that before 10 o'clock.
3: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of
0: sport in our Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: Well, coming to the end of the first hour of the show, and it has raced on by with some uh, great content, a couple of great interviews. Uh, Louis Herman Watts sitting down there in uh, Christchurch, put his hand up about five times, but I didn't let him in. Uh, Listen, uh, Louis, here's the thing. Uh, What about the confidence in uh, Irish rugby coming through from uh, Bernard Jackman?
5: yeah although would you want to and morning Smithy actually how rude of me would you want to be hanging your hopes on the frame of a 37 year old man and not a lot of backup options I mean that was kind of the scariest part of that whole interview with Bernard yeah forget the fact that Welsh rugby is crumbling with no money and all the valleys as he said playing soccer well what about Johnny Sexton being your only hope he's 37 Smithy
1: I know and that, that concerns me and he's an injured 37 at the moment and 37 year old muscles and bones take a little bit longer to heal so uh, he'll be targeted there's no doubt about that if, if Ireland see him as their only hope of winning uh, what kind of target does he become?
5: Oof. Well not even the fact that he's 37 What about the fact that his birthday is on the 11th of July Is Are we going to have a 38 year old being the player Of a tournament leading his side to a World Cup can you really see that Look at LeBron James I mean they say That he defies father time Tom Brady but eventually the train Stops and right now LeBron hasn't been able to sustain it in the NBA Finals when, or in the NBA playoffs when everyone thought He would be able to for as long as he takes the court Eventually time catches up But I just love that chat with Bernard and I think the most interesting thing really is all of the New Zealand and Australian connections let alone the South African connections we have in European club rugby at the moment the, the roots run very deep all the way back to Warren Gatland and that uh, fantastic anecdote there now to the, the players like Jamison Gibson Park Tauru Kubalo, Malakai Fikitoa playing for months to this weekend in another grand final against the Stormers I mean we've just got such a rich history out there
1: well, what concerns me is you, you mentioned those, uh, those finals that have been playing and they're all coming to that point in the competition now. But the standard of rugby they are playing week after week after week, the physical standard of rugby, I think um, if you have a look at a European rugby, it's totally different to what we're trying to encourage down here, the free-flowing, uh, throw it around sort of stuff. And uh, That's what worries me. That's what worries me. And I'm sure, I hope uh, Ian Foster and co., Joe Smith, they will be, Jace Ryan. They'll be looking at it very carefully. Um, But um, Super Rugby ain't going to win the World Cup. Not the way we're playing it at the moment. There's no way it will. Right, we're coming up to 10 o'clock here on SENZ. We're going to talk to Jeff Eisenband after the break. Uh, Just the wash up of the PGA. Good news for
7: Ryan Fox. You preface that there was a lot going on. That was one of the most exciting PGA Championships we've had in recent memory. Uh, I think you know, validating a lot of Brooks Kepka and his return, his recovery. I think it makes you think about golf as a sport. You know, how many sports are there out there where players can go through the injuries that they go through in golf, go through the time off that Tiger Woods took, the time in between majors that Phil Mickelson had, and in an even smaller sense, Brooks Kepka, you know, basically, with the exception of I guess you could say one major, the 2021 PGA Championship. He was right there with Phil Mickelson in the last group. Really not a part of the conversation the last three years and then has catapulted himself back into it and backed up that second place at the Masters with another win here. And now the conversation just turns from Will Brooks Kepka be relevant at these big championships again to how many can he win? What is his place in history going to be? And he's only 33 years old.
1: Jeff, the other thing, of course, is he's the first uh, live golfer uh, to come back and uh, to win a major as such. Uh, Has there been much made of that fact?
7: I think people have tried to make a lot of it. I think Brooks himself, you know, kind of played it down. He he continuously reiterated this is an individual win for him, and, and that's how he looks at it. And I think, you know, there have been, how many think pieces have there been about Brooks, right, in the last 24 hours? I think there are still so many parallels to when he was a full-time pga tour player he won a couple times in the pga tour a few times but he wasn't as dominant as he was in majors this is a guy who peaks for majors who's continuing to find a way to peak for majors and that continues to be the storyline that he wants to tell and i think that's what continues to be his storyline
1: does that make him popular uh, amongst american sports fans
7: I think Americans, and again, I'll I'll speak from a New York perspective, right? We have big teams here, the Yankees, the the Knicks, the Giants, the Rangers. And, you know, it's always about winning cures everything, right? And I think that there's been some valid criticism that Brooks has had of of himself and valid criticism of the way he's handled himself, you know, going back to the U.S. Open last year when he was very cryptic about things when it came to the Live PGA Tour debate. But I think winning, just especially in this country – Cures everything and kind of, you know, sets aside a lot of the personal conversations about Brooks Kepkin. I think, you know, you, you have to give him a little credit, and he's given himself credit for the fact that he was open on the Netflix full swing series last year, and that, you know, he talked mm-hmm. about himself as open as possible. I think for uh, for fans around the world to get inside this guy's life, that he's more than just uh, a broey golfer who just wants to go beat, you know, beat everyone on the golf course and just wants to win and not talk about anything. He's got an emotional side to him. He's got a, he had a side that was dealing with so many issues in the last year. And I think that a lot of those things have perhaps overcome, uh, compensated is probably the right word. Uh, some of the off the court, off the course issues with Brooks.
1: Jeff, did you see nine under being a winning a winning mark? I mean, with the way Oak Hills was set up, with the punishing rough, etc., uh, almost U.S. Open like. Did you did you see a nine under winning
7: total? I didn't. I didn't. Um, I especially early Saturday morning. Uh, I know. I think um, the lead was five under at the start of the day. I believe there were three at five under at the start of. Saturday and I was watching with my younger brother and I, I said to him who's a pro and I said to him I said there's I, I think this is going to drop to three under the lead and he didn't believe me and he was right um, I think that the leaders did luck out that the Saturday afternoon weather was much more lenient for them than the Saturday morning weather and I think that kind of stopped any any player from the back making a big run on Saturday and that's what allowed those players who were already already had low scores uh, through Friday, were able to separate themselves a little on Saturday. And when we woke up Sunday morning, it was definitely a much smaller contingent trying to win. Um, And then just Sunday, you know, perfect conditions. The rain, because the rain had softened the course, it just let these guys start flying at pins. And that's why you saw a much lower Mm. scoring average on Sunday. I think if you take away... If you push that rain back to Monday instead of Saturday, I think then we're looking at a six or seven underscore winning.
1: Absolutely, and uh, a whole raft of 65s, which uh, you would not have imagined uh, on the first two or three ra- uh, rounds of the tournament. Uh, terrific performance uh, by Hovland, uh, made a mess of the 16th when he got a ball embedded out of the, in the bunker and had troubles there. Uh, aside from that, though, it must be close for Victor, you think?
7: Oh, yes. I mean, you look at the last two majors, right? The Open Championship two majors ago, uh, him and Rory McIlroy were in the final group, four shots ahead, and he really didn't show up on that final day. And then you look at the Masters, he was right in it going into the weekend, didn't show up on the weekend. So that was becoming not just the story in majors, but it's been the story in a lot of PGA Tour events with Victor Hovland. And that was a statement day that he had for 15 holes, for 15 and a half holes. He was step by step with Brooks Kepka, who was playing an outstanding round of golf. So I think Victor Hovland stood up to the moment. I think, you know, unfortunately, that's golf, right? One shot out of position, and all of a sudden that was it for him. Uh, but I think that you can't walk away from this and not think Victor Hovland has the game, especially uh, to some of these U.S. Open and PGA championship style courses. He has the game to win at least one, if not more, it, coming up. And he's still so young.
1: One of the most enjoyable things for me, and it was obviously for the, the crowd live on course, was uh, the Michael Block story. But one of the things I really liked uh, yesterday was the rapport he had with Rory McElroy. And it was almost like Rory was, what, uh, who's so op- uh, obviously always in the focal point of a tournament himself. Here he was like and just enjoying being a spectator for the Michael Block party. This was amazing scenes.
7: It was amazing. And I was thinking about Rory. I was thinking about... Uh, 2018 when Tiger Woods won the Tour Championship on the PGA Tour in the U.S., Rory was in the final group. There's the iconic scene. It was Tiger's first win in five years and there's the iconic scene of All of the fans in that final group walking up behind Tiger and Rory as they came up to the green at Eastlake. And I was thinking, you know, how dramatically different. He's having another incredible final round experience with this guy who was charging 150 US dollars for lessons last week. I mean, it's just an incredible story. Now he's gonna get a couple more sponsors exemptions. He's gonna play in the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial next week. He's gonna play in the RBC Canadian Open in a few weeks. He had already played actually in two PGA tour events earlier this year. And he'd played in multiple PGA championships before, but it's just, a, it's an incredible story it, that you get sometimes in golf. You know, we had at the masters, Sam Bennett, who had won the U S amateur playing in the final group on Saturday, a guy who, you know, ha- had such limited experience in professional events. Uh, I think just you know, you look at the guys he beat—the John Roms, the Jordan Spieths of the world. It's, it's hard to fathom. It felt like a dream the entire time, and then he made the hole in one, and you just couldn't believe that all of this had come together in the moment. But I think it, it deserves all of the recognition and all the publicity that it's getting.
1: Right of interest to us of course was the performance of uh, Ryan Fox in particular not to be for Stephen Elker. I think he found it a bit tough particularly in round one but we had two horses in the race and uh, Ryan Fox uh, another creditable performance uh, on the back of uh, a good showing in the Masters as well which gives him uh, a nice little uh, opening on the PGA Tour Jeff.
7: Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's awesome. I think, you know, him and Minwoo Lee are about to get special temporary status, and they've been playing in a handful of events uh, based on their world ranking, and I think it's all deserved. I was at – last year I went to the uh, DP World Tour Championship in Dubai and was standing there on the first tee on Thursday when him and Rory McIlroy were the last two players to tee off. You know, that's what they were at in the DP World Tour standings. I think it's just a long time coming for Ryan, right? I mean – He's had the game. He's worked his way up. I'm excited to see. I think him and Min Wu Lee are going to go right on to the PGA Tour. And I think that they're going to, you know, uh, look at this in two ways. One, they're going to start competing for PGA Tour titles right away. Um, Lucas Herbert, obviously an Australian, is another name that comes to mind of a guy who had won on the DP World Tour Last year, first year on the PGA Tour wins almost right away. I think they've got the game. And then I do think, you know, it'll be exciting to see them play more consistently on some of the North American based courses, get acclimated with a lot of the terrain and a lot of the, you know, the game more so, and then maybe even push this even more in majors. Ryan Fox tied for 23rd, Min Lee tied for 18th. They're already right there, but I'm excited to see them play even more.
1: Uh, the other thing uh, coming up, of course, you've got uh, two more majors to come with uh, the the Open Championship, and then of course the U.S. Open as well. Um, as but the Ryder Cup stands out too as something uh, on the golf calendar. Everywhere around the world, people are interested, but of course, in America, uh, special interest there. How do you see the U.S. team? Um, how, how do you see it panning out in terms of uh, what Zach Johnson's going to come up with?
7: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously there's going to be a lot made in terms of, um, you know, there's a whole debate in terms of whether Brooks should be on the team or not. Uh, he might make. He's probably going to make it on merit alone based on his performance in the playoffs. But I think, or excuse me, in the majors. But I think that you know the U.S. team has a great core. That you look at the 12 players that were on the Presidents' Cup team last year, and I think that you've really got 10 there that I think are core players. I'm taking Kevin Kisner and Billy Horschel off that list. Will Zalatoris is injured again. I think you've probably got 10 guys returning, which opens up two spots. Sahith Degala continues to be a guy that a lot of people talk about as working his way into more consistent play and maybe claiming one of those two open spots. Ricky Fowler is playing great golf once again. Um, and then Brooks Kepka, I think, is is right there. Uh, but I still think there's that, 10 core, that, that 10-man core – which, not to bore you, but real quick, is Scotty Scheffler, Max Homa, Xander Shoffley, Cameron Young, Jordan Spieth, Patrick Cantlay, Sam Burns, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, and Tony Finau. I think that's where you start, and then you work from there.
1: Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Jeff, it's been, uh, just incidentally, uh, Jay Monaghan, Greg Norman, the relationship, does a win like this for love bring it closer together, that relationship, in your view, or does it stretch it further?
7: I would say I'll I'll take the the third route, which is I don't think it does much of a difference. Um, you know I think that these major events are kind of standing on their own right now, and they're they're if anything, obviously they're they're getting more scrutiny because everyone is coming together at these events. Uh, but I don't think that it changes. I think now we go between majors, we go into the same old conversations. You know, there's going to be Different events going on over the next few weeks, then everyone will come together at the U.S. Open, then different events, and it's going to continue to be a a little bit of this cycle um, that, you know, I I don't think this ultimately, you know, if it was someone other than Brooks, there's a different conversation to be had, but I don't think Brooks is going to go out there rah-rah and change a lot of what's going on.
1: Jeff Eisenbahn, absolute pleasure catching up with you, Um, enjoy your work with the PGA Tour Live and of course the Scratch Networks as well thanks for your summation of uh, what you've been seeing over the last four or five days and uh, looking forward Jeff and really enjoyed talking to you, thank you
7: Thanks, and I just hope that I made Craig Perks proud. That's who I'm going to talk to right after this. Wow,
1: well, Craig Perks, absolutely, you would have made him proud. Uh, he went to school Palmerston North Boys High, which is about uh, where I went to school, actually, about uh, two and a half hours down the road from where I currently live now. And the Players Championship, who will ever forget that uh, three or four hole stretch at the Players Championship with uh, with Craig
7: Perks. That's right. We could do a whole other segment just on Craig Perk's history if you guys want down the road.
1: We will, down the road. In fact, we, we will. We look forward to it. You've got an engagement. You've got a, an appointment with us, Jeff, anytime.
7: <laughs> thank you so much for your, thank
1: you. Thank for your time. We really appreciated it.
7: Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Cheers. Uh, Jeff van there, folks. Um, Golf uh, pundit, uh, as I said, uh, with the PGA Tour and, of course, uh, the Scratch Networks as well. So, brilliant. 1017 here on SENZ.
5: SENZ's Hawks Bay Ratings better be going through the roof with Izzy and Smitty. You're listening to SCNZ. It's Kiwi Sport
3: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field Summer or winter,
0: he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith on
1: SENZ Big talk, big opinions The panel
3: that
1: talk to me, yeah, yeah. Brad Lewis uh, with us this morning Which is fantastic uh, As it's also great to have uh, Alex Chapman With us as well And uh, Chappy, I believe uh, you're en route To Blues training And uh, find out uh, the scoops On uh, what's coming up this weekend Crucial match against the Hurricanes
8: Good morning, yeah I've actually just um, arrived, in fact. It's quite. Actually, no, I won't say that it's cold because then I'll get all these cantabs tweeting at me saying you don't know what cold is, um, including your producer. So we won't bother with that. But uh, yeah, intrigued to see how Bowden Barrett's heel is. Obviously that, that nasty, blood-soaked sock as he walked off the stadium um, on Saturday. So we'll get an update on him. And, I am anticipating, just based on what assistant coach Dan Kalingahu said last week, that Stephen Petalfeta will play this week as well. So, whether that's a timely return with Bowden potentially out, Petalfeta comes in for him um, in that starting 10 jersey, and certainly a point to prove in the last however long the Blues have in this competition obviously, two regular season games and then however far they go through the playoffs. He's certainly now the fourth choice playmaker, you'd have to say. The fact that I think McKenzie has quite comfortably gone ahead of him. And then, obviously, Barrett and Warner will always be in that like squad unless they, they get injured all of a sudden. So, yes, not sure uh, how many scoops we'll have today, but I'll get the shovel out just here.
1: Rightio. Hey, do, yeah, see what you can find. Uh, there's always a lot of uh, that kind of stuff floating around uh, Eden Park or wherever. Um, look, OK, um, Brad Lewis uh, joins us this morning as, as well, Brad, and thanks uh, very much for that. Uh, yes, the blues uh, they got to have to. Do, are they in a situation now with the Hurricanes where we're looking to manage All Black time this close to playoffs? Uh, are we still with that? No,
6: nah, that's done and dusted. I think um, with both sides, and Jason Holland sort of referred to that a couple of weeks ago that resting those players for the Chiefs game was all about having them ready for the final five games of the season so look I think it's it's all hands on deck when they're available uh, obviously Bodie's like going to miss this weekend um, and if you're a Blues Supporter and and uh, as myself and Chappie are, with uh, Boat and Barrett uh, in that team is the only chance they have of winning Super Rugby with a guy like Boat and running the cutter. So uh, get him fit. Um, but this is, these are must-win games for these two teams. You know, like uh, top four is so crucial because if you don't finish top top four, you could be playing the Chiefs, the Crusaders, or the Brumbies in their opening round and that's almost an automatic loss away from home for, for any team outside the top, top four. So uh, Blues and Hurricanes, one of those two teams are going to finish outside the top four and this game will probably determine who that side is.
1: Brad, a couple of weeks ago we heard that the Professor had uh, turned off a game of rugby for perhaps the first time in his life to watch something else. Uh, we also hear at the weekend that uh, Justin Marshall did the same thing with his beloved Crusaders I will stick my hand up and confidently tell you I have often this season turned off a game of rugby and gone to something else. Are you in that boat or are you hooked?
6: Uh, the only full 80 minutes of rugby I've watched this year was the Reds Blues game last weekend because my wife was on a girls' date. So uh, that is the only full game of rugby I've watched this season. The NRL products has been superior from an entertainment standpoint. You never know what you're gonna get. You've got the worst team in the comp turning over the best team in the comp. Uh, and uh, it's happened for a few weeks now. South South turned over last week. Uh, the West Tigers coming out of nowhere to beat Pembroke not that long ago. The, the rugby product just isn't that good at the moment. And I think we're all just kind of in this waiting pattern for the Rugby World Cup, right, where we can all get invested. I mean, if you're not a Chiefs fan, are you really that invested in Super Rugby this year? I
1: don't think you are. Uh, interesting, uh, Chappie. How do, you, how do you view it from the, your perspective? I mean, you, you've got to do it from a, a work perspective as well. Um, but as a fan, would you be tempted to turn off or are you hooked uh, hooked in for good?
8: It's it's an interestingly timed question for me. Just, just quickly, on All Blacks for Weeks, Boden Barrett does still have one more, I think. So if he oh, was okay. to be out injured with that heel problem this week, then that would um, take care of that anyway. So, um, yeah, I I actually found myself, because I I knew on Friday night that I'd be doing a match report for both the Blues and the Crusaders the following day for work. So I was watching the Crusaders more on a Pacifica game, and I've got a WhatsApp group with with some friends who are mainly rugby fans, actually, and all of them were messaging, going, God, how great is this St. George comeback? Um, They Anthony Griffin and God they're performing well and man he must be such a bad coach for them to be um, playing this well without him and I was so annoyed at myself that I was having to watch Crusaders more Pacifica it's like oh god it's like it's almost like FOMO that you're you're missing out on this fantastic game of rugby league but you're having to sit there and take notes and and watch um, the rugby as well. I think genuine diehard rugby fans will always choose to watch rugby and I think There's some really passionate supporters out there that, and I'm not picking on Crusaders fans by any means, partly because I don't want to get abusive text messages from your producer today, Um, but I think there are those within um, those franchises who will sit back and high-five and celebrate Will Jordan scoring a try against Juan Pacifica in a 35-plus point thrashing. There are those that will still celebrate that form of success. Does that mean it's a good product? Potentially not, but if you go based on those who are turning up to stadiums, yes they are still filling out stadiums for Chiefs Crusaders and Blues Crusaders and Blues Chiefs, but if you're going to allow that to be kind of your gauge of success that you are selling out stadiums when your biggest teams are playing, then we are almost at the point of just accepting mediocrity at times I think, which I think would be a really dangerous place for us to get to with rugby, not just because it's a World Cup year, but in general but if we're happy for you know, for players to be continuously rested and for absolute troubling to happen week after week and to sit back and go that's a good product, So, yeah, that probably is a good product, but wouldn't we rather it be a great product, or an amazing product, or a captivating product, or a product which is genuinely competing with its rival coat in rugby league for eyeballs on a Friday night
1: Absolutely um, it needs to compete, there's no doubt about that. Uh, speaking of eyeballs and interest in careers, etc Brad Lewis, uh joseph parker in the news again but not as often as he used to be are we still invested in joseph parker
6: interesting question smithy and i don't know if i can call this down the middle Chappie's probably a, a better person to answer that just because of my investment in, in joe and joe and in the sport but look what i will say is the the australian market go look at Paul gallons fights with mark hunt and the like and justice herney fights um, outside of the um, Manny Pacquiao fight a few years ago, they fight during during the week on Wednesday, Thursday night. So just, just on that side of things, I will say their pay-per-view market is sort of tuned for a midweek pay pay-per-view. Now, in saying that, is this where Joseph Parker wants to be? No. Uh, but he took that risk in the Joe Joyce fight, came up short, he wins that fight. He's probably fighting for a world title this year, Smithy, uh, and that's the risk you take. He's still only lost three fights in his career, one, you know, again, against three prominent European fighters. He's still ranked in the top ten um, in all but one of the um, plethora of boxing organisations. Uh, and this is just a, a tick ticket off fight, um, and I believe... This could be, uh, Eddie Hearn, um, as well having something in this and testing the market to see what Joe's pull's like for a potential Justice Hooney fight later in the year because Eddie Hearn needs Justice Hooney to knock off a big name, uh, and, um, Joseph Parker is probably the safest fight for Justice Hooney out of the top 10 heavyweights in the world.
1: Interesting, right, okay We're uh, news time with uh, Araha When we come back, part two of the panel With Brad Lewis and Alex Chapman
0: 18, low 14, this is your home For the Rugby World Cup, we'll have live commentary Starting September 9 on SENZ. Big
5: talk, big opinions, the panel talk, talk, talk to me, yeah Brad
1: Lewis and Alex Chapman with us this morning. Alex Chapman uh, is at uh, Blues Training, so uh, we'll get to some news uh, later about uh, what's happening with uh, the possible makeup of their side. Crucial clash against the Hurricanes this weekend. But uh, Alex uh, Chapman, love to talk to you just briefly too about Joseph Parker. Um, from a media perspective, uh, out of sight, out of mind, or back into mind?
8: No, I think back into mind, but the fact that we have to use the word back probably implies the the level of interest and engagement that there now is with Joseph Parker. There isn't that consistent um, storyline around him. And to be honest, I think the most exciting thing I've seen heading into this fight is the fact that Tyson Fury made the trip down to Melbourne to hang out with Joe. So that's probably um, where I kind of sat with it up until probably yesterday, um, in terms of the interest of it, I, I did kind of raise an eye our kind of what Louis touched on before with the fact that it is a midweek fight because you think of big boxing fights and it's um, kind of Sunday afternoon New Zealand time at Wembley, for example, but that that won't obviously be happening with Joe anytime soon. He, this is kind of that consistent storyline with him. It's yet another chance. It's This will be the chance where he kind of, has to go out and get a a comprehensive win. He can't just win by points. He really needs to make a statement. It's almost rinse and repeat from what it's been with Parker for probably the last uh, 18 months or so. So, yeah, he really does need to go out, make a massive statement and and continue to get back on that path so that he can challenge four World Heavyweight title fights. Joseph Parker is a really good boxer. There's no doubt about that. But he's kind of just fallen off the pace a little bit with the rest of those guys. And I think we as New Zealand sports fans just really want to see him back up there.
1: Right. uh, Speaking of uh, falling off the pace a wee bit or maybe falling out of the reckoning a wee bit, Brad Lewis, the signing of Chanel Harris-Tavita for two years, a recent announcement from um, Cameron George and the Warriors. Where does that uh, leave, Sean Johnson, you feel?
6: right and first of all congratulations to Chanel he obviously uh, took some time off for himself and I think it's great that the Warriors have looked after him um, while he's had his sabbatical and and now they've, they've brought him back because he, he had a career best season last year and a struggling team so congratulations to him but I think that's the story within the story is what does this mean for Sean Johnson we know that he's kind of said it's the Warriors for me or maybe retirement that seems to be what we're reading between the lines with the turning down of the West Tigers deal The other thing that this might be is I look at the Warriors, and we really lack in the position of Hooker, and I wonder if Andrew Webster sees a Ben Hunt-type player in Chanel Harris-DeVita and could potentially be um, sharing game time with Wade Egan next year, Uh, because I really think that's a point of concern for the Warriors when they're looking at trying to build a premiership-winning side. You have RTS coming back next year. You're going to have a fantastic spine whether or not RTS plays in the centres or a fullback and, and oh, you've got chance there. But yeah, I uh, I, I wonder if this means maybe Harris DeVita could become that number 14 type player and almost uh, a half hooker uh, combo to give you some uh, depth and utility value on the bench.
1: I don't think it spells good news at all, Chappie, for Sean Johnson, to be honest. I mean... Uh, he turned down that possible deal to go back to Australia, probably on the basis he thought that his shares were pretty good. Um, we get a lot of texts in here saying when is uh, Cameron George and co going to re-sign SJ on his form this year? Um, what are you thinking about this for him?
8: I actually think it's Chanel harris is going to have to be patient, to be honest. I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Johnson re-signs. And I think a big reason for that may end up being with who is coming back in terms of Roger tuivasa shek That that 14 jersey, I think, is Dylan Walker's for as long as he wants. I think what he's shown, both as a playmaker and as a defender, he is your ideal 14. And then it's whether the Warriors decide to keep using Wade Egan as their lead hooker, or whether Chanel harris potentially becomes uh, a hooking option down the track. And it's also how now going to fit and I know this was discussed when, when it was announced that Roger was coming back, how are they going to fit, put off the and Charles Nicol Korshta in the back line, whether Charles remains at fullback, Roger becomes a wing centre or something like that, for example. So it, it genuinely might be them saying to Chanel, yep, welcome back, we'll give it a two-year deal, but you're going to have to be patient, and you're going to have to go down to New South Wales Cup, and you're going to have to really push us and show us that you're able to come in and be our starting half. Bear in mind, there's also still commodity Martin to come back from injury. We know what a really unfortunate and at times sad history he has with injury. And then, in fact, we're talking about Sean Johnson retiring. He's not going to be around forever. So whether Chanel sees that as an opportunity to come and learn from one of the Warriors' best ever halves in Sean, and then kind of Sean retires after a year, and then Chanel comes back into that, that starting half role. But what a fantastic position for Andrew Webster to be in. No longer is he kind of clutching at hey, let's have a half who's got a chequered past in the league that no other team wants. They're now kind of gone, oh, got too many of them.
1: Uh, let's look at um, Ryan Fox's performance, uh, if we could, Brad, please. And uh, you know he's been really good. Association with uh, the station available yesterday afternoon to uh, Staffy, which was fantastic. Um, he gets a special temporary membership now to the PGA Tour. For the rest of 2023, which I personally think is absolutely fantastic because we'll see a lot more of Ryan Fox on our tellys back here at a better time zone. Uh, what a performance by this kid.
6: Ryan Fox, living proof that New Zealand sports people do not need media managers as a uh, as a struggling producer trying to get talent for shows. At times, Ryan Fox is the marquee uh, person on that front. But, yeah, great news. Uh, he's a great story. I uh, love Ryan Fox. Just, you know, think of the, the boots he has to fill, so to speak, with the expectations of, of coming from the heritage of a guy like Ryan Fox. Obviously, rugby career not pointing out, but my goodness, can this man play golf. Uh, and finish at the top, what, 25 in the last... Um, or in two of the last three majors is, a, is an awesome performance. Uh, and I don't know, a, a man who knows more about golf than me, Guy Havout, once told me that he believes Ryan Fox has the game to win a major. There's a, there's a major in his game if he can put it all together over the course of four rounds. Uh, and and I will succumb to, 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 to the little man if, he, if he's saying that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, look, I think it's a great story. Gets to, gets to spend the rest of the year playing on the tour that he wants to play on. Um, and a chance for him to really work on that world ranking and uh, and get more exemptions um, in the future as well.
1: And uh, from your point of view, Chappie?
8: If excuse me. Some of the Blues have just walked over playing music, so I've had to walk away. Um, but you might hear it in the background. Um, it's, it's huge. And just to agree with what Lewis was saying about, about Ryan, he's so approachable. You, you can... And this is the the beauty of, of our job, and we're so fortunate, and at times I think we kind of take it for granted. But the fact that, you know, one of us could text Foxy mid-major and say, hey, well done, you're doing well, or hey, really hoping you're well this week. And you'll get a reply within 5, 10, 15 minutes. And he's so lovely. He's so approachable. Um, he's still so low-key as well, which I love about Ryan, is he's such a big-time player now on, on the, in the golfing world, which sounds crazy to say about a Kiwi, but he's been so consistent. He's, he's shown that he belongs on on the big stage, uh, and for him to consistently come up with these sorts of performances, and I think that's the real key about his game, is, is he has become so consistent and consistent, and you take immense pride at seeing Ryan Fox doing well. Like, after his fantastic first round at the PGA Championship, I woke up to so many texts from people saying, God, how about Foxy? Or, oh, we missed a... Mr. Trick here not putting money on Foxy Top 30, didn't we? And the fact that New Zealanders are now engaging with Ryan Fox in that sense, uh, I think is fantastic and a massive credit to him. He's, he's so much fun. He's such a good dude.
1: Yeah, he's a quintessential Kiwi sportsman um, and anything but a quintessential we sportsman's market, to be honest. Um, he's brilliant, absolutely superb. As have you two gentlemen been this morning, uh, have uh, an enjoyable training with the Blues, Chappie and uh, Brad, you'll be prepping busily, I would imagine, for later this afternoon. Thanks, fellas, for your part in the panel today. We'll have uh, another one, hopefully, tomorrow or the next day. It's 10.42.
5: It's Kiwi for the Rugby World Cup. Thanks to the SCNZ app, I've been tuning in at all hours of the day. From Izzy to Ricardo, what a roster we have on SCNZ. It's Kiwi for
3: Sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of
0: sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
5: The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan.
1: Well, I've hardly heard from the boss today, but uh, we're bringing him in right here and now, Louis Herman Watt. uh, And uh, Louis Herman Watt, I think um, you're quite excited because uh, is there some sort of announcement we're rumoured to be coming out of um, racing today at New Zealand Racing?
5: Well, yeah, there's speculation. Um, no, I haven't heard from the boss much recently either. I think Hutchie's been very busy, actually, tidying up plenty of business in, in Australia, and we, we might hear about more nice, of that tomorrow. Nice, um, nice try. Nice try. uh Yeah, look, just little bits of glimpses, little micro specks of information just starting to filter through to my... Level on the um, food table around an announcement today potentially out in the South Auckland Karaka area which is a hotbed for thoroughbred action as you know with those outstanding New Zealand bloodstock sales complexes out there and I suspect Minister for Racing Kieran McEnulty who we've all been waiting to hear from around the future of the TAB and we'll speak to someone from the TAB in just a wee bit around this widely reported Intain deal where, for if you've missed this a, about a month or so ago, and it's been talked about for a long time, the um, outsourcing and running of the TAB might be done in con- collaboration with a an offshore bookmaker, just to make it more efficient, the process is faster, more cost-effective, a huge windfall of money. We're talking tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars for the racing codes, which is one of the biggest uh, bright spots on the calendar, really, for racing people. And this all comes back to this uh, entain or outsourcing deal that the TAB is about to go through. If the Minister for Racing deems it responsible and the right deal. So there might be an announcement this afternoon, that's what we're hearing, Kieran McAnulty, and I don't know 100% if that's what it would be about, but we have been waiting to hear from the Minister on that specific subject, so you can only deduce what you can deduce.
1: Well, he's done his uh, due diligence, as what they call these days, and Uh, I would imagine he's going to come up with a decision for um, the good of the racing industry in particular, and that sounds um, an interesting one indeed. I mean, uh, I guess we can go into that. In fact, we might even try and get, um, after that announcement, someone on the show tomorrow just to reiterate the details of it, uh, Louis, because it is such a crucial uh, stage of things for the industry and, of course, for so many of our listeners as well. So um yeah uh, but first of all um uh, if it's going to benefit racing if it's going to be- benefit racing financially um uh, you know because the racing industry i think it's fair to say have uh, with the way they've operated their tab's and closed their tab's etc they've gone away from the user friendly uh, personal contact type way of doing things more to the techni- technic technological way i think is that fair to say
5: Well, they've followed the world in that sense, but I think where a lot of punters would feel frustrated is some of the technology hasn't been user-friendly enough. And I guess one of the biggest benefits of this would be it is punter-friendly. You look at these corporate bookies and Entain that run Ladbrokes, to put it in perspective, um, we know that there is a level of sophistication that we might not have had. And I think ultimately punters will benefit, the industry will benefit. One of the biggest questions, Smitty, will be work, jobs. New Zealand government's not going to want to sign over hundreds of New Zealanders' jobs and income, so what does that detail look like? That'll be the key one for me, and I think that's really important for the country, not just for the industry, so... Uh, I'll be watching that very closely and and as I say I I don't know this for absolutely certain but you can only deduce what you can deduce so we'll keep an eye across it and we'll hopefully be able to come back tomorrow with some more information potentially if it does unfold maybe even an interview with the minister who is by the way a very good a very good Kiwi and he actually cares about racing which is something that the racing industry has probably missed at a government level for a wee while so that's good news for a starting point.
1: Well speaking of coming back we should do that very shortly with someone from the TAB uh, to chat about possible odds for today the and there's a big basketball game on we might get some options there it is uh,
3: 10.52 South Seas Healthcare providing excellent health and well-being for Pacific people and all
5: communities the SCNZ app download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show streaming live anywhere, anytime, anytime.
3: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the
0: voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
1: Right, 10.57, let's it to, to Pops at the TAB. Brendan uh, Popawa and uh, Pops, uh, I would imagine, uh, all eyes on the Lakers today.
9: Certainly is, Smithy, yes, a very good morning to you. Um, it's an interesting one, this one, because Lakers are the favourites, but the Nuggets really are the, the, the best supported team in this market. There's around 70% of this money head-to-head market on the Denver Nuggets. But what I will say, in the last half an hour, we've just seen a little pushback to the Lakers. So 157 Lakers, Denver Nuggets $2.35, but we've seen some large investments on the Nuggets, 16000 at 2 13000 at 227. But then, as I said, the last half an hour, 8,000 on the Lakers at $1.60. And, gee, there's even some tickets out there with the punters took the sweep on the Nuggets. So they'll be sitting uh, with some sweaty palms throughout the afternoon on the Nuggets, hoping to win 4-0. In terms of power plays, there's a couple of good power plays here to be getting back. Austin Reeves, what a series, what a playoff series he's having. Uh, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. all hit 3-3s. Three this happened on Sunday. And pundits are loading up again. It's $5, that power play. And then you've also got the other power play of LeBron James, Jamal Murray, 25 points, 5 rebounds and 5 dimes. That's $6. $6. That's been well taken also. And just quickly into tomorrow, the Heat. They're $1.79 to perform the sweep as well. Could both teams get swept? It would be quite an incredible series, what we've seen so far, Smithy, with the Nuggets and also the Heat with what they've done so far in the conference
5: finals.
1: Absolutely Pops. Thanks for your time this morning and those odds. Louis Herman, what you
5: got some news for us? was after 11, Smithy, but I just encourage everybody to go to our Mornings with Ian Smith Twitter page or when you go into the SENZ app, click on Mornings with Ian Smith, the stream. I've got two polls in there pertaining to Super Rugby. I want to know if you're like Wayne Smith and Justin Marshall. Have you turned Super Rugby off halfway through a game this year? Let us know. Vote in those polls and I'll give Smithy the updated answer on how you're thinking in just a wee bit.
1: Okay, thanks for that uh, Louis. Uh, we have got a change in schedule after the break and we'll tell you about it after the break.
0: 1476 a.m. in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport)
1: I just want a bit of the chorus like we just,
5: slow pull
1: us apart. Well, don't you forget about me Gary hasn't forgotten about you, Louis Herman Watt Because he's come in and said Parliament next stop for Louis Herman Watt He spoke for five minutes without taking a breath And said absolutely nothing What do you make of that?
5: I don't think I have the capacity to do Parliament, Gary. And also, don't you have to get elected to go to Parliament? I don't know if that many people like me, judging by the text machine over the weekend. Gee, I was copying a hammering on the good oil smithy. I know I haven't been tipping that great lately, but gee, whiz, punters are fickle, aren't we?
1: They are fickle, actually. They are. Abs- and I'll tell you something else. You've you've hit a- on. I wouldn't say that you, you said nothing. I mean, you entertained me, which was uh, very hard to do from time to time. I do switch off. Very, very quickly. If someone bores me, I'm one of those guys that uh, when you're in a room, sometimes you're having a drink. I'm not. I don't do it all the time, and I'm not as practiced as some are. But you know how you look over people's shoulders when the conversation, after a while, gets a bit boring, and you say, "Oh, there's that guy, I've got to go and see in the corner," or that, you know, well, I'm kind of one of those guys. But no, not not with you at this point, Louis. It's only early on in our relationship on the radio waves, etc. But um, I, this far, you've kept me pretty much entertained it's been cool
5: yeah well that's sweet so that's six days Um, let's see if I can get to 16 and then maybe (laughs) 60
1: (laughs) rightio uh, let's uh, get across to um, let's get across to the sports desk Brian shall we turn
0: up the volume we're crossing live to the sports desk what's fresh what's making waves let's find out
1: And the Sports Desk, we're very pleased to say, is uh, brought to you in association with Polaris, and uh, they have got a magnificent range of product. Polaris, what great vehicles they have, and uh, we've got all sorts of deals uh, uh, based around the field days coming up as well. So field days, incidentally, uh, around about 13th, 14th of June at Mystery Creek throughout the the latter part of the week as well. So uh, if you're going, you must call in and see the people at Polaris. Louis, what have you got on the agenda today?
5: Well, we're all in flux around here. We're going to speak to Jeremy Coney in about 24 hours. So we just bumped that back a day. If you're wondering where the hours. great... Jer- 24 yeah. minutes, I
1: thought. 24 hours? What's happened?
5: We're just... Well, we're, there's, there's breaking news around the world, which has put us in flux and put the network in flux. So then, I mean, it might not necessarily interest you to the extent of... All things international cricket, and I actually was very interested to hear Jeremy Coney's thoughts around how big this UK winter of cricket is, and how many more of them on this scale we might get with the kind of explosion of franchise cricket, so we'll do that tomorrow, but the breaking news, it's about Mm. the Australian Football League, AFL, it's a massive, massive deal. When you're talking about the Richmond Tigers, who won three of four, won three or four premierships over a title span, they were a dynasty. Trent Cochin, Jack Rewalt, uh, Tom Lynch, Dustin Martin, of course, New Zealand, New Zealand uh, heritage with the late Shane Martin, who was his uh, father, who was we, we know we knew his story tied up with. Um, the you know I think it was the motor the Rebels Motorcycle Club in Australia and and was deported back here and never got to go and watch his son in those grand finals so there's lots of connections there with Richmond and massive news last night Damien Hardwick who was the longest serving coach in the AFL thirteen and a half years at the helm of one of the most famous clubs three hundred and seven games more than won more than half his games with the club quit burnout cited and actually how this came about was Tom Morris who's doing work for SCN in Melbourne uh, he's a journalist he went away for a wee while he's come back and and he broke the story and he managed to get it out before Damien Hardwick had told the players he had it very well sourced by all accounts this is 100% correct he was accurate information so this when we talk about media sporting bombshell smithy Damien Hardwick leaving his post as the at the helm of Richmond in Melbourne, one of the most famous clubs, Punt Roadie, and you've been to the MCG, you've drunk at the mm-hmm. Richmond Hotel, you know how big of a deal this is. For that story to break before the players found out, that is massive.
1: That is incredible. I mean, uh, you know, uh, if it becomes an, of any interest here in New Zealand, uh, it would be secondary interest, of course, but imagine what is going down in Melbourne, on the Melbourne airwaves at the moment, um, around SEN and... and uh, those other networks, that would be absolutely huge, that is a massive change in schedule, so uh, that is why we've had to put uh, Jerry on hold, because it's a, a massive SEN announcement that has basically been put back for 24 hours, so wow, that is huge, uh, Louis, and very very interesting indeed.
5: Well it's massive news, because the the Richmond, they only lost to Essendon uh, two days ago, essentially by a couple of points, and, and it was a, a couple of defensive lapses really and bad decisions with the position in hand that cost them they were still in line to play finals football this team has kind of been that team you trusted, oh they might just take the regular season to ramp up and then when you get into the finals you don't want to face them, we all know that that team in whatever league it is, they have been dynamic they changed the face of the game with their just flood forward attacking philosophy, just flood numbers when you're talking about Aussie rules they would just pump everybody forward and uh, it is quite staggering news to see a coach of his walk away but burnout is burnout and the season hadn't been going the way they thought it would so that's the big news out of Australia this morning Um, we've talked a lot about the PGA championship over the weekend and there's more golfing news for there and I fear that we're going to hear this more than we don't over the next week. while Tiger Woods will not compete at the US Open, he's still recovering from ankle surgery, he's 47 now, we know the extent of his injuries from his playing days, his back his spinal fusion then obviously that gnarly car crash as well, Um, he's had few surgery on another bone in his ankle and I think we'll probably get that headline more than we won't over the next five years, would you agree?
1: I totally agree Um, I I think that uh, he will play, if he's capable of playing the odd major going forward he will that would be about it, he'll have sponsorship obligations, Uh, I think uh, one of the tournaments he always likes to play is uh, the the one sponsored by Hero or it was, uh, there'll be massive money involved in that um, and he was an ambassador for that tournament. Whether he plays that anymore, uh, but what he will, what I do perceive is happening with Tiger Woods: uh, very little golf in the next three years, and then I think when it comes to the uh, Champions Tour, some golf, uh, a lot more golf. Reason why they'll give him any kind of exemption to play in a cart if he wants one. You know, uh, they they simply will. And why? Ratings, television ratings. They'll change the rules of that to suit Tiger um if they have if they have to to get the ratings imagine tiger woods playing on the same tour Stephen elk is playing on at the moment and the numbers that that would increase on the champions tour the the, the you know the need to to play without a cart is is paramount on on the pga tour um but not uh, so much in fact i've seen uh, senior golfers uh, champions tour golfers playing carts before whether it's a weather thing or what have you but that won't be an issue tiger woods will play on the champions tour because i would suspect he's still got that burning desire to win that burning to money's not an issue the burning desire to win the burning desire to play golf and the burning desire to be around the golfing environment if he doesn't go there where would he go i don't think anyone could afford him to go into their commentary box that would just be moon money um but it would be a hell of a an argument between uh, rival stations to try and get him if he made himself available there uh, you've got to make sure he's not lost to golf and tiger needs golf still i mean his his private life is a mess we know that um, you know he's going through another uh, broken relationship here where it's going to be a high profile settlement not even married this time around but some sort of payout for her, the partner that he had for a couple of years his whole life has played out in the public domain and i don't see that changing
5: yep points taken all rounds for you you do you did reference that no amount of moon beans could get him in a commentary box, though. Well, what if we put him next to Tom Brady's 10-year, 375 US million dollars contract? Is that not enough for Tiger? Um,
1: no. Um, uh, I don't think so. Well, no, it'd have to be more. He couldn't be paid less than anyone, put it that way. And silly, so we're just <laughs> going to text him from Carolyn to say uh, you'd rather hear Jeremy Cane. Well, Jeremy uh, will be back with us tomorrow. Um, I can tell you that, Carolyn, so don't panic. Uh, we've had to put Jeremy on hold. but That's the significance, and that was what Louis was pointing out. The announcement of an AFL uh, re- resignation uh, in Australia of that magnitude changes everyone's roster for the day, and that impacts us, because the, the announcement we're going to make uh, involves Australia and New Zealand. Okay, Carolyn, so be patient, be patient. Right, let's uh, move on to the next thing, which is of interest. Um, and A legend, a legend retiring officially from the NBA?
5: Yeah, I mean, I kind of thought that Carmelo Anthony was retired, to be honest, but he's not yet as of yet. Well, he is as of today. And uh interestingly enough, it's the day that the uh, Denver Nuggets, obviously where he started his career, are uh, looking to close out the Los Angeles Lakers in LA. I wonder if he makes it there. He's obviously very close personal friends with LeBron James. He spent time on the Lakers roster very recently. I wouldn't be surprised to see Carmelo turn up and be courtside and get an ovation even at what do they call it, crypto arena now, formerly Staples. Um, his career obviously burst into night into light with New York. Never a deep enough playoff run to be considered a great of the New York Knicks, I don't think, when you look at their history with Bernard King and um, going back even and further than that. So uh, an interesting career. They'd say that one of the most talented scorers to ever play the game, but probably not going to go down as a necessary necessarily one of the you know all time greats. Certainly not on a, a Lebron James level or anywhere near that really. But um, very famous for I guess the style and the swagger he had, and, and just being a, a flat out scorer. So that's a it's a retirement that I didn't actually see coming because I thought he was retired. But Smitty, really, just to bump it along. I'll, I'm very curious about the Sean Johnson situation with Chanel Harris-DeVita. Very curious. Because there are only a certain amount of seats on a bus, as Baz used to say, and you have to know who's driving the bus. That's important. You have to know who's on the bus. You have to know which seats people on the bus are sitting in. And then you have to be on time. And is Sean Johnson going to miss the bus for the Warriors for 2024 and beyond?
1: I suspect he is I, I suspect he is going to be um not occupying one of those uh, seats particularly at the front where you expect him to be uh so i i, I don't think so I, on the evidence of that signing I, I signing i was uh, lucky enough to meet um chanel uh, last thursday he uh, played in the, the golf tournament that we covered um up at, um, at the hamilton golf course beautiful st andrews and hamilton and I, I, an impressive young man really was an impressive young man and uh, played in the Warriors 4 and uh, I, I just got the feeling that um, you know he was looking forward to be back in the fold it hadn't been officially announced at that point but it has uh, now of course um, that, uh, I don't think that leaves too, many room, too much room in the halves you would be looking at four halves they've pretty much got four if you count Chanel without Sean Johnson's name uh, the age was a factor in that as well um, I'm not quite sure if uh, Sean's a difficult guy to deal with or if it's an easy guy to deal with. Uh, but uh, from all accounts, uh, you know, and we get a lot of texts in saying, when are they going to re-sign him? That would be big news. It would be big news if uh, that was effectively the end for Sean Johnson. And, it, and the other thing about that that worries me a little bit, to be honest, uh, Louis, is the timing of it. I hate these announcements and I hate these things um being done in the middle of the season with so much rugby league to be played for instance if i was slightly aging in my role um in a cricket team and someone said at the end of it uh, you, know, you know we are halfway through the season human nature says to me if someone said we don't want you at, uh, next year good luck finding another job where's my heart going to be where's my performance level going to be that's what worries me about these kind of things and it so often happens in league so much of the future is played out in the present, off the field.
5: It's a beast of a, a media game. It's almost like the, the media that surrounds NRL is as big as the sport itself. Now, you can't necessarily call that a terrible thing because on the flip side we talk about the lack of media and the lack of coverage and engagement with super rugby compared to, to NRL. I think the circus is part of it, Smithy. I think it, you can't have one without the other.
1: Radio. okay, fair enough. What about this uh, the story that's coming up about the, one of the greatest TV shows in history, Grows Its Legend? Tell me a, bit, a wee bit more about that.
5: Oh, I, was, I just thought I'd stick that on the list to see if you'd you would um, you'd be curious. Do you watch much TV, Swithy? Yeah, too much. Absolutely too much. Yep. Interesting. I'll tell Interesting. you what
1: I'll do after this show. I'll go and watch them, uh, the uh, 12 o'clock movie on TV3 quite often. It's, they're pathetic, but they just let me unwind. I don't have to think too much about them. So I watch a, a, a little bit of a segment of that if there's live sport what, on. What are we talking about? I'll be watching that. Oh, the, you know, the Petty Crime. Like what? Like things, E.T.? No, 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 no. No, Petty Crime. You know, two bit non star movies. But they play them on uh, TV3 uh, every day around about midday. And they, they just let you unwind with a cup of tea and you sit back. You know, because that's what happens when you get on the pension and you get old, Louis. You've got to have your mind switching off. It's not like you young guys where you just keep going forward like a bullet a gate 100 miles an hour with what's coming up next. What's coming up next for us is rest homes when you get to my age. So we don't want to hurry ourselves into them if
5: you get my drift. Smithy I still think you're in your extended broadcasting prime to be honest I think you're underselling yourself there and I actually think that you could um, you could do with this TV show to maybe keep you stimulated just to kind of give you that zest back because it sounds like you might be lacking a bit of self-confidence at the moment mate Um, try Succession it's it's penultimate episode yeah. yeah penultimate episode ever aired last night on Sky and Neon and I mean I've earmarked Succession through the four seasons as being one of the great TV shows, but you kind of can't just say that. You've got Breaking Bad, The Wire, you know, all of these legendary TV shows – and you kind of can't just anoint a TV show But the further it gets to the, the finish line The higher this is going on people's estimations And somehow they don't know how the show ends still Nobody has a clue The acting's been world class They've won Emmys every year that the show's run And this year you can't even work out Which one of the actors is going to win the Emmys Because they're all been that good So Succession could be a wee tip for you, Smithy.
1: Okay, um, my kids watch it They tell me it's absolutely outstanding um let's uh, have a, a look look zane tried to get through before we might find uh four or five minutes for zane to have a chat he's a big league fan uh so we'll go to a break now uh when we come back we might try and fit a call or two in as well uh we've got to head to a stump smithy uh, around about eleven thirty, and uh then uh, we'll come back uh, with some texts, and there are plenty of them uh including Uh, The one that has come through and said from Mark, who says, Tigers are my team. I still follow them even though I'm back here. Sad day for Richmond. We'll be interested to see who takes over. Richmond, we're on the way back too. I smell a rat, says Mark. I smell a rat. More to come here, I feel. It is uh,
5: 11.20. 800-150-811.
3: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is
0: Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's
1: eleven twenty-five, and uh, as we promised, uh, Zane uh, really wanted to get through and have a chat to uh, us about, uh, I'm assuming, the league situation because I know Zane's uh, an avid golfer as well, and uh, he probably cast his eye. On the, over the PGA over the weekend as well, saying, hey, G'day, mate, how are you?
10: Bloody good, my man. Yeah, you, you're not wrong. Yeah. Um, firstly, I just wanted to quickly touch on the um, Sean Johnson and um, the Harris DeVita situation. But, yeah, I'd love to make a comment on the, the golf tour if you had a minute at the end of it. My yep, feeling without any inside information is that there's no way that Sean Johnson won't be 100% aware of what his you know, future is with the club. I think they would have been really up front and would have had a clear pathway right from the start of the season on what he was looking for, what Webster's looking for. And they wouldn't have brought um, Harris Tevita in there as a way to kind of push him out. I'd say it's going to be a mutually agreed pathway, whichever goes with Sean Johnson that is playing on or retiring. And based on the feedback, I put out a, a tweet yesterday got about 50 responses on what position people think um, Harris DeVito will play, and a lot of people are predicting that um, Saarinen will probably be let go this year and they'll look to develop him into it like a utility role not dissimilar from um, Dylan Walker, where he plays both in the forwards and covers outside backs. So I'm not sure that he'll necessarily come in as a straight-out half. So I'd be really curious right. to see what um, Andrew Webster could say about that when he finally does do an interview on it.
1: So so are you um are you saying the signs are good for SJ Sean Johnson back or not good?
10: So I, I think it will really come down to his body and like maybe his his personal life because I don't think you'd um you'd want to push him out the door based on the potential of guys like Luke Metcalf and Ronald Volkman just yet because he's literally probably top two or three halfback in the competition, which is is a genuine need if you want to go deep into the final so i think if he's mentally in it and unless there are things that are going on behind the scenes that you know aren't playing out in public i'd highly expect him to be there for one more season
1: okay interesting zane uh and yeah um yeah we'll see how that plays out we get a lot of opinion here i promise you um in the last 10 minutes we've probably got uh, 10 texts On uh, the league and on uh, the possibility, honestly, on the possibility of Sean Johnson not being there and the role that uh, uh, Chanel uh, Harris-David is going to play. So uh, we shall, you know, we'll keep an eye on that, um, as you did, of course, over the PGA as well, no doubt.
10: Oh mate, I'm pretty stoked for for Brooks Kepka, right? I mean, he went—you saw him in that uh, Netflix doco—that he went through some pretty dark times, and he just shows once he got his mind in it, he's a, an absolute machine. So, I thought that was pretty interesting for a live golfer to win that. But just quickly on the Tiger thing, I think his pride stopping and playing in a cart, and I feel like he's almost robbing a, a generation of young golfers the opportunity to see him play. That if he if he did play in a cart, you think of all the kids that he'd inspire. <laughs> Re-energize the whole industry. So I hope he doesn't let pride get in the way. There, I,
1: I think he will. Uh, uh, I think he'll play on the Champions Tour. I think he'll play. Um, I, I think he'll play uh, quite regularly on the Champions Tour. Not every week. Not as much as Elka, but I think he'll play enough. I think they'll do a deal because golf, as you say, they have to have him. Golf has to have him, and that's the best.
10: He stated he doesn't, you know, he's never liked carts, but I think just thinking about the impact, if he can get over that pride thing, because there's there's no issues with the um, dispensation with his injury. so, but yeah, and finally, good on, good on Foxy, mate, I hope he makes a real impact on the PGA Tour this year and gets his full card for next year.
1: I do too, I, I really do, uh, he'll make an impact, alright, he's a very, very popular man on the Tour, on, everywhere he plays apparently, he's such a... Uh, a personable guy, and we get uh, the benefit of it here on the station, and uh, YouTube uh, as listeners uh, benefit as well. Zane, thanks for your call, mate. Appreciate it. We'll thanks, keep mate. our finger on the on the SJ pulse. Uh, I think it's going to be beating um, quite strongly in the weeks coming ahead. It is uh, coming up to 11:30, uh, which means it's time for you to light up the lines, please. Uh, 0800 150 uh, 811. It's time we won one of these, actually. I'll have another go myself, but if I dip out today, it'll be Louis back in the, uh, the chair tomorrow, and uh, we'll have a crack with Louis. But uh, Brian's waiting for your calls. Louis will be the quiz master. Uh, $50 TAB bonus bet uh, voucher up for grabs, and uh, we'll play it out after the news here with Aroha. It's first up.
5: Well, we're going back down to the Deep South. We obviously haven't given enough money away to the South Island of late so we're gonna go, we're gonna go to Gore and it was frosty in Hawkes Bay it was frosty in Christchurch what sort of day did it dawn in Gore Reid?
10: yeah what wasn't very bad this morning yesterday was uh, a very heavy heavy frost
5: okay well you, it made its way up the country by the sound scene <laughs> Reid. Um, now I mean would you like it would you like what sort of difficulty would you like for your quiz Reid?
10: Oh, being from the South Island, it'd have to be a bit easier, wouldn't
5: it? Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Radio, would you like uh, football, netball or basketball?
2: We'll go for a bit of netball, please.
5: All right. Smithy knows his netball too. It's quite impressive. The ANZ Mm -hmm. Premiership Round Robin is sorted and places in the elimination final have been confirmed. Name the two teams squaring off at the Elimination Final,
2: Rito. I mean the pulse and the stars. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. He
5: asked, Smithy. He asked. So, you know, we're we're punter friendly here. Uh, The Southern Steel had a winless season in the Premiership, losing all 15 of the matches. Can you name of course you can. Can you name the captain of the Southern Steel?
1: I'll say Stubby record?
5: Just a couple of chips down to make it right in the slot and the it goes. Southland question for uh, Southlander. Right. Two shooters, and this is for the prize. Smithy might get shut out here. How, how good would that be? Two shooters had perfect games this season, making 100% of their shot at goal. And one woman reached that milestone twice can you name the lady with two perfect games this season and i will tell you she shot 43 of 43 and 40 of 40.
10: well there's, there's two pretty good netball shooters that have been on a pretty good form this season i'm not going to say the other one because smitty will probably get the other one if, if i'm wrong but i'll say um I know Maya Wilson's had a good season, so I'm going
9: to say Maya Wilson. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on
5: a cricket field. <sighs> Rito, you've opened the door, and the door in is lurking.
1: I don't think I, don't think that I can walk through, though, because Maya Wilson was my one. Maya Wilson was my one. Uh, and I, I thought uh, she'd been absolutely brilliant, Maya Wilson, this year. She was my one. Um, so you're talking about someone who's played the whole game, not like someone's come on in the fourth quarter and shot six out of six, correct? 43
5: of 43, <laughs> 40 of 40.
1: Well, if, if it's if it's not Grace Wicki, I'm wrong, because Grace is my only other um, option in that regard. I'll go Grace.
9: One of the worst things I have ever seen <clears throat> done on a cricket field. That
5: was my other one. You've won.
1: Who? Yeah, Grace Wecky was my other one.
5: Oh, no. Um, no. Do you want to have one more guess, read? I mean, you've won, but just for, for funsies.
10: Uh, maybe the recently retiring Bailey Mears.
5: Bailey Mears, Bailey Mears, Bailey Mears, as Malcolm Jordan was saying. No, it's Alia Dunn.
1: No. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, out of the tactics. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic, yeah. I thought someone shot 59 from 59, but that's, a, that's asking a wee bit, isn't it? So, um... Maya Wilson, well there was, one game. There
5: was right. two, yeah, two shooters had perfect games this season But uh, Leah Dunn did it twice Okay Fantastic,
1: well she won And uh, so then did you Read, um, it's uh, one of the Great shows, you can get it wrong and still win Here uh, because we're generous <coughs> uh, To you mate and because you read uh, One of our One of our I think what you call our institutional members. I think Reid was con- communicating with us uh, back on July 19th, two years ago. Might have been caller number one or texter number one. Reid from Gore. Uh, we're always going to do you favours, mate. So uh, congratulations, <laughs> mate. You're another winner. You get you get a fitty. Uh, Brian knows your phone number backwards probably, but uh, just stay on the <laughs> line just to confirm he's got your details. Uh, and have a terrific day, Reid. Have a have a cool thanks, day.
10: Thanks very much, fellas. Have a good day.
1: Okay, we've got a truckload of uh, t- texts to read out. There's some pretty passionate people about um, one or two of us, but also um, uh, Brad Lewis has come in for a bit of stick. Um, and Craig has come in and said, Look, I prefer Tipping Point and Millionaire Hot Seat to those TV3 movies. <laughs> so, Craig, you've been watching them, you can tell. And Succession is the most overrated TV show ever. That's from Craig. We're going to take a gap, uh, take a break while uh, Louis closes his mouth in uh, shock here and uh, we'll be back shortly
3: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field Summer or winter, he's the voice of
0: sport in Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ
1: yeah, Just hear that little clip again from Grant Nisbet and uh, Justin Marshall calling that a magnificent moment in the 2015 World Cup final at Twickenham. Now that, folks, is broadcasting at its best. That's raw broadcasting. That is the two guys who are absolutely up for the occasion, reflecting it in the best possible fashion and reflecting it as you would have enjoyed it at home. And I cannot get over the fact that we will not be having able to have that opportunity again with Justin Marshall and Grant Nisbet. By far, the best combination of in-the-box commentators in New Zealand rugby, perhaps even in world rugby. They've worked well together. They are in sync. They know exactly what's going on, don't even have to look at each other. They know how to reflect the game, um, you know, and every commentator has his detractors. Every commentator has his, um, you know, his fan brigade as well. And I'm telling you right here and now, that will be missed at this World Cup. That is the best combo upstairs we have in New Zealand rugby. And I just, for the life of me, can't understand why you turn your back on that. Having got that out of my system, let's get some of the text back into the system. Right, uh, Brendan from Paramount Fencing. Get a little plug there from Brendan. Uh, hey, Smithy, personally, I've never thought much of Chanel, Harris, DeVita in the halves. So I'm not worried about Johnson. He'll be there next year. Harris, DeVita in the hooking role for me. Interesting. OK. Uh, certainly, there's a long chunk of the season to go. And if the Warriors were to make the eight and progress... Uh, through some of the playoff rounds. That would be a dream come true for all of us fans, uh, them themselves, after last year. we would pretty hard to make a big call on uh, someone like uh, Sean Johnson, wouldn't it, at that point? Uh, Paddy's come in and said, come on, Smitty, they're not going to cut SJ after this season. He's come out and said he's not leaving New Zealand. He's happy with the was and quality halves are, like, good at the moment. Look at what will happen at Canberra. They won't be able to get a top-class half to replace Whiten because... There are none available sj will resign uh, resign on a year by year basis at a fair price uh, maybe around 400 500k a year and will fall into a development coaching role in a few years interesting patty uh, that you see it uh, panning out that way um, Hi, Smithy says, Steve. Brad Lewis talks rubbish. League is not a better product. He shows his ignorance by adding he has only watched one rugby game this year and there have been great super rugby matches. He should watch more rugby. It's a more skillful game, not simple like Leeds. Uh, uh, Like League. Leeds. Uh, Simple like League. Interesting. Um, Yes. uh, Yes, turn off. um, uh, Another one comes in and says, Look, yes, turned off VSR super rugby. Too many rules. Too much wasted time with extended advantage, boring pick-and-go, dull, dull, dull. Ken has come in and said, uh, Smithy, and you know this from Ken anyway, don't you? Uh, Smithy would never turn a game of rugby off halfway through, the best game in the world. That's my opinion anyway. Um, So there you go. Uh, Look, here's uh, Mikey G coming and said, uh, Smithy, sorry, did I just hear the panel? Uh, One of them hasn't watched a full game of Super Rugby, and B that when the four big New Zealand teams play each other, they sell out a stadium and it's accepting mediocrity. Lord, give me strength. While some teams are disappointing, have they forgotten some blockbuster games between the big four? I surely get sick of goldfish journalism sometimes. Short memories and non-watching of games don't deserve an opinion With listening to. There you go. Rant over, Mikey. Uh, Good stuff. I had a rant then before as well. Get it off your chest, son. Uh, Kevin uh, Smithy, it would be interesting to know the amount of time both rugby and rugby league actually spend playing. And if you look at the TV coverage, the camera is just above the 10th row in rugby and league. It roves all the stands. Uh, The league crowds are just money makers. A big concern for rugby. There you go. So uh, there's a selection that uh, have uh, come in. And uh, Craig's come in and said, uh, watch the four episodes of Succession. Um, that was enough for him. All of the characters were so vile. I couldn't care less what happened. So there you go. People, um, it's like the old... No, I won't say that because we're too nice a show. But everyone's Aww. entitled to an opinion. And every, everyone, everyone has one. Everyone has one. Come That's on. what I'm about to say.
5: Don't no. tease us like that, Smithy.
1: No, no, no. I, I had my rent um, over the Nisbo Marshy thing, so um, I'm prepared to go back to you, Louis Herman Watt, and um, you can have your five cents worth and give us your poll results too, please.
5: Well, I think goldfish Chapman's probably the the real takeaway from today's show goldfish journalism what if what a phrase coined I had not heard that before um but I will be using that on a personal basis maybe a semi professional basis as well so I think that was Mikey was it that's um that's very very good yep. stuff Mikey I'll be stealing that one, and I will not be paying you royalties because I am poor. Uh, the poll, have you ever turned off a Super Rugby game midway through the season like the Professor and Justin Marshall? Well, I put it in the SENZ app first of all, yes and no. Yes took 82% of the vote. Eight, no took 18 So, yes, there are still some loyal Super Rugby fans out there, but very much in the minority. And then on Twitter, I decided to put an extra option on the poll. Have you turned off a game of Super Rugby midway like the Professor Wayne Smith and Justin Marshall? Yes. No, don't even turn it on. Well, yes took 46% of the vote, no took 14% of the vote, and don't even turn it on took 39% of the vote. So I think what we're hearing repetitively day in, day out is Super Rugby is in a bit of trouble. Sumo and me talked about this extensively on Friday. NZR is aware that saying that they want to put the fans first, but at the moment they're just saying it, we haven't yet to see it, so... Look, it's concerning enough, I think, rugby... And actually, a point I do agree with Brad Lewis, rugby is kind of hanging in there for international footy to start. And it is a little bit sad. When you go back and reflect on the start of the show today, we were talking to Bernard Jackman about European rugby and one of the greatest games that they can remember in recent times. And that's a club game, you know, Ireland... An Irish club versus a French club. When was the last time we had a blockbuster... New Zealand versus Australia or New Zealand versus South Africa, you'd probably have to go back to days of the Waratahs beating the Crusaders in the final in 2014, maybe.
1: Maybe a subject uh, for tomorrow or another day, but are we missing the South African sides now? Are we missing the South African sides um, franchises out of Super Rugby? Uh, Because apparently, um, and uh, I think this weekend, uh, there's a big one involving Munster, Uh, and I think it's the Stormers, uh, and that is a a European playoff, and quite frankly, in the time zone they're playing in, I'm hearing that the South African sides are adding quite a bit to that competition, so are we um, losing because of that, Louis? That's another factor to bring in.
5: Well, I think uh, I spoke to Izzy about this at Nauseam, the rugby echo chamber we got put in during COVID, where we were only playing the same teams repetitively, well, that shrunk even more so when we lost Super South Africa out of Super Rugby, there's a level of brutality and physicality that you would have seen on the sidelines week in, week out for more than a well, decade, Smither. You know what South Africa mm. brought better than most people, really, and, and we don't have that currently, do we?
1: No, we don't. They brought size, they brought uh, physicality, uh, which I think prepared some of our players' Uh, and i just go back to a point that was made earlier this morning. The physicality, which was so obvious in that European Cup final the other day, and is on a regular basis, if you watch that particular competition, the French Super 14, a lot of times that, that's on uh, Sky television. The physicality up front, uh, we haven't, uh, I don't think, got at this stage, and that is where we were mopped up by uh, Argentina in Christchurch and we were mopped up by Ireland twice. Have we been able to find that physicality? Do we play a physical enough brand of football Uh, to be able to have that at a World Cup. That will be, I think, one of the talking points going forward when international rugby kicks in uh, in August. It's uh, 11.51. We really do have to catch up with the staff before he starts his show uh, a little later this afternoon. And uh, we'll do that next.